Max, we got Prashant on the line here. What do you want to ask him about real estate? In terms of deal flow, how do you get brokers to take you seriously before you've done your first multifamily deal? One thing is very important is when in, when a broker sends you the deal, you just don't send the LOI to them. You get back to them within 24 to 48 hours, along with a request to have a conversation to review your underwriting with them. So a broker knows that you are serious. The second thing is, you know, when you send a resume, you put an advisor name along with that. And this is the advisor's experience. And we too are doing this deal, respective of what advisor is part of the project or not. But that always helps. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is journal entry number 83 and part of our Ask the Experts series. Today, we bring on experienced investor Prashant Kumar and aspiring investor Max Harkavy. Stay tuned to learn more about that all-important subject for every aspiring investor, which is how to get brokers to take you seriously. Now, before we get to today's episode, I do want to remind everybody that this coming Monday, the 18th of January, we are going to have our monthly webinar series. We're bringing in Julie Peterson from Old Capital Lending, who's going to speak all about how to fund your apartment deals. So head on over to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com. Look for the upcoming events tab and RSVP so you can get the Zoom link. Or go ahead and check the show notes, tap the link to the webinar series and RSVP. And now, the show. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. I'm super excited for today's show. It's another one of our Ask the Expert episodes. We have two amazing guests here on the line with us. We've got a, a man with a ton of experience in this and other businesses, Prashant Kumar, and a very motivated, aspiring investor, Mac Harkavy. So first, I'll introduce you to Prashant. He has a technology and management background and has built a personal real estate portfolio of about 100 units of single and multifamily assets. Uh, to date, he's been involved as a general partner in numerous apartment complexes with over 1,200 units under management. He's also interested and has purchased a handful of assisted living facilities and plans to continue both multifamily and assisted living in the future. So that said, Prashant, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Brian. Appreciate you. Appreciate coming on the show today. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So let's let's do this. Let's talk about your background first. Who you are and what led you to uh, investing in in real estate and then apartments. So, so Brian, um, you know, as I say, you know, I come from a very humble background. You know, way back from India, right? I mean, uh, although my education has been in one of the top tier institutes in India. I came here in the United States in about 97, 98 timeframe, mm-hmm. about $100 in my pocket. Ever since then, I have worked in technology and management jobs all across the world, all across the country, managing hundreds and thousands of people mm-hmm. um, while doing across the globe, managing hundreds of thousands, you know, hundreds and thousands of people across the globe. But while doing that job, you know, I always thought that if I don't do it, what happens, you know, because yeah. that happens, you know, you don't work, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So, so I was always trading time for my money. You know, it was sort of a golden handcuff. I couldn't quit my job and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't move away. So if I was sleeping, I was not making money. So the point I'm trying to communicate is I, 
you know, I always had it in my mind, but I never took a step. But, you know, one day, you know, my brother-in-law, you know, he said, Prashant, you have to, you have to buy some single families with me. He has been buying some. Mm-hmm. I started buying with him. Not with him, you know, he, he asked me to buy one. And then I bought two. And then I bought three. Then I realized it's not worth, you know, my time. You know, it takes three months to buy one single family, two, three months. And mm-hmm. banks take forever to, mm-hmm. to sign that loan, you know, that $100,000 loan which I can probably cut a check, but I don't want, didn't want to do it because, you know, of course, for the leverage reasons. Yep. I said, maybe you have to jump into multifamily, something more scalable. So mm-hmm. within that, that year itself, you know, single family too, I went into multifamily, I bought a multifamily. But, you know, the first multifamily was awesome. You know, I closed it in 18 days. You know, I had <laughs> to write only one letter to the bank, you know, my PFS and my, my SREO and he, they closed the, Closed it and I was like excited, super excited. Yeah. A long story short, I realized that it's not going to work long because money is going to dry up. You know, I keep buying these multifamilies, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't have enough money. So then, you know, I started learning about syndication. Uh, mm-hmm. I started jumping into, into onto the plane and going all these conferences, you know, before COVID, you know, that, you know, we used to have those conferences, which we don't, which we miss nowadays. Yeah. So I've been going there all, you know, like seven of them in a year, like 2017, 18 timeframe. Mm-hmm. I said, I have to do syndication. Uh, that's something which I wanted to do. You know, I, I did my first syndication with, with, with a group, 500 units. I mean, it took time for us to do it, mm-hmm. but eventually the results were fruitful, right? So, you know, that's how my journey started basically. So one syndication after another syndication, uh, I mean, I've not done many. I've mm-hmm. done only four or five of them. One of them I have flipped. I mean, I'm done. I'm out of it. A couple yep. of them I'm still in. But that's my background, basically. You know, I come from a very strong technology and management background. I do a lot of th- I know, I mean, mm-hmm. my skill set is, uh, you know, I can manage things very well, you know, underwriting and all that stuff from an apartment perspective. But I wanted to, uh, as I said, I wanted to develop something where I can quit my job. I have not quit. I, I have not left my job yet. I plan to quit it. I wanted to do it in 2020 and I did that, but you know, of mm-hmm. course, you know, nothing was going on in the real estate world. So I had to go back. Yep. I said, you have to go back. So now the plans have shifted for another year. Yeah. So goal is to get out of my job. It's, it's such a golden handcuff to me. You know, I get paid a lot you know, yeah. because of my skill set. It's sort of a golden handcuff. You know, I have to get to that level and then I, then I, Hopefully, I can quit. Yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of real good things you mentioned there, and you, you summarize a Warren Buffett quote, quote up front. You know, if you don't, you don't learn how to make money while you sleep, you're going to work until you die. I think is is the exact quote, but I, I think that is a a common thread among everyone who makes the switch from a W two job to investing in apartments. You know, and that's that's one of the keys here is real estate will allow you to make that money while you sleep. You know, and something else you brought up is just you you contrasted getting a loan for a single family home and getting a loan for a multifamily property and I was also completely blown away at the difference in signing it. I mean you said you 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 sent them over your SREO which is a statement of real estate owned and your personal financial statement. And 
you probably signed one or two documents and that's it. You know, I remember, I remember signing my first mortgage for a house. You know, I probably had a stack, you know, two inches tall where I had to sign or initial almost every single page. You know, it's just one of those, it's, it's a whole different ball game and scaling with multifamily, which is what you found out. It's so much easier to scale with multifamily than it is with single family for many reasons. You know, it's buy one, get X amount or the loans are easier or anyway, lots, lots of goodness packed in there. So, so 2021 is going to be the year you quit your, your golden handcuffed job for the rest of your life, right? That is, that is my goal. I mean, right, uh-huh. right now that's my goal. I mean, I probably can quit, you know, sometime mid, mid of the year, but you know, I don't want to pro- announce it as yet, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm moving in that direction. Nice. You know? Nice. Well, I'm, I'm in a similar position, except I've announced it, you know, I, I've announced it, you know, far and wide. I'll be retiring. I'm active duty Marine Corps. Most people who, who listen to the show know that, but uh, I'll be retiring after 20 years um, on October 31st. With all the, the vacation that I've built up, I've got 233 <laughs> days left. So, I mean, I've announced that far and wide, you know, but anyway, that's, that's, that's something that, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, right around mid, middle of July, we can both, you know, get on a call together and congratulate each other for, for sure. quitting our W-2s. I would love that. I mean, on the other hand, you know, the reason um, is I'm not a W two. I'm a private contractor. Right. Okay. Good. As a good. Contractor, you know, I, you know, as I said, mm-hmm. you know, I always get paid like very handsome money in technology mm-hmm. world. You know, you know how much yep. people get paid, and uh, you know when we don't work, you know, like during Christmas or Thanksgiving, when we don't work, we don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So you know, you kind of feel that you know you are trading your time with the money. Yeah. You know, if I get sick, I don't get paid. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it? there is no residual value left in my, my experience. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I'm not billable, I'm, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not getting paid. So that was something which was always there at the back of the mind. Uh, I, and there is a deeper why, which we will discuss a little mm-hmm. bit later into the episode. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to free up my time to do what I really wanted to do. And with this job, um, you know, working from mornings, eight o'clock till evening, eight o'clock, even though I get paid for eight hours only, um, you know, that doesn't leave much time for what you really want to do, you know, yeah. in, your, in your life. So that, that's the primary reason. Uh, and in addition to that, you know, I started doing so, and I, I'm continuing a little bit more on my background. I started mm-hmm. doing some uh, assisted living, biz, you know, facilities also, mm-hmm. because that is my real passion is, you know, I, you know, as I said, you know, I come from a very humble background, very close-knit family. My grandparents are with me. My parents are, you know, getting older now. So, you know, there, there is some element to to be to serve elderly, you know, mm-hmm. provide some elderly care. And that's the reason I'm getting into this. It is a business, but yes, um, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm buying few assisted living facilities, trying to help where I can uh, and hopefully make a difference to elderly residents in my care homes. You know, nice. Yeah, that, that's that's important. And there, there's a growing number of, of people who will be you know, retiring and eventually moving into assisted living center soon. So, um, I mean, my, my dad's in his seventies. I mean, he's still perfectly capable of you know taking care of himself, but you know, it's, it's a matter of 10, 15, 20 years before, you know, that, that happens with him, but, uh, well, good, good. Um, now something else that you, you, you mentioned that I, I kind of want to unpack is, you know, whether you're, you're on a contract getting, you know, W2 income or, or contract income, if you get sick, you know, or if you don't work, you don't get paid. And it's something that 
I've reflected on lately is the fact that how insecure that income really is, you know, and that that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, I, I, I know in my life, I clung to that income a lot, thinking that that income stream is keeping me alive without realizing that, you know, making yourself hundred percent dependent on that income stream is actually much less secure than most people realize. So end of the day, you know, building income, building passive income, building assets that are going to create residual income is something that you've been working on. So you, you get the key to that, um, those golden handcuffs and, and move on. So, well, good. Well, that said, we, we already talked a little bit about your why. Let's, let's just flesh that out completely right now. So what is your motivation? You know, just as, as complete as you want to go with that, your motivation for what you do. Okay. All right. So basically, you know, I personally am a meditation instructor. You know, mm-hmm. that is something which I have always loved in my life. You know, I, I, I mean, I meditate a lot and I help others to meditate too. And it's all voluntary. You know, I, there's no money charge or anything like that. That's my passion. I started meditating when I was probably 18, 19 year old. And for the last 25 years, I've been meditating and and I have a group of people, you know, I, I help meditate, you know, I conduct meditation sessions. It's all free of charge. Mm-hmm. So to me, um, that's the that's the real cause. I mean, I would quit my job, you know, in, in like that, you know, if I have enough people, to, you know, to, to be able to kind of impart what I can impart uh-huh. uh, in terms of peace you know, the content in, in their heart, right? I mean, that's what I learned and that's what I have, uh, you know, I, I I I want to teach basically that. Yeah. So that's, and with this job, yes, I do it. I mean, I for after eight to eight work or eight to six work, I, I spend good 10 to 15 hours a week helping or, mm-hmm. or doing what I really love doing. But I'm still limited, right? You have a family, you have to, you know, take care of everything. There's not much left. Yeah. So that's my real why. When once I'm financially free, that's what I want to do in my in my time. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, I'm in monetary family. Yes, I'm a businessman, but I can still steer, uh, steer my time the way I want to do things. Yes. You know, morning, evening, afternoon, whenever I want to do it. Right? I yeah. can travel the world and and still be able to do what I want to do. So yeah. that's the real passion behind. That's, that's the deepest why I have in my mind is if I'm able to quit. If I have the enough residual income, then I can steer my time the way I want to allocate to different things. Yeah. You know, and once you're financially free, that's going to unlock, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week that you would have spent earning money, you know, to be able to provide for that families and, and provide for you know your living expenses. So yeah, that's I I think that's the everyone has a slightly different why, but I think the the ultimate goal is the same to be able to get to that point to where we can pursue what makes us happy, you know, and for you, it's, it's teaching other people something that you found that has brought you, uh, I think the word you said, like an inner peace, you know, the, the meditation. So that's amazing. Really good. Really good. So, all right, let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the specific deals or projects you've done with, with apartments and up to you, whether you, you give us an investment philosophy overall, or if you want to just talk about one specific complex you guys have done. See, I would say is, you know, as I said, you know, my goal was to create a residual income. Mm-hmm. So I started buying so that I can get some income out of it. But then I went into syndication, right? I mean, I have two apartment complexes, 
about 100 units that give me some residual income. Then I realized, you know, I have to do syndication. Uh, I started doing syndication one after another. But the first syndication is what I really want to talk about. The first one was the most difficult one. Always uh, is. <laughs> yeah. It was actually a difficult one. It was, mm-hmm. you know, 65% occupied, mm-hmm. uh, 30% down units and 5%, you know, 10% economic vacancy. So all in all about, you know, 50% uh, e- economic uh, rents that we were collecting, you know, mm-hmm. others were flooded or whatever. So it took us a good amount of time. My our philosophy was in my philosophy was never say no. That's how mm-hmm. I started into this. I got into a group, you know, and they needed help, like real serious help, and and I became partner in the group. You know, I said, listen, I'm gonna just do it, irrespective of whether I get some anything out of it or not. So I started helping them out. Started. I mean, they had the deal, but you know, you are talking about you know money raise. You are talking about. Mm-hmm talking to the lenders, negotiating with the lenders, negotiating with the property managers, visiting the property, doing the due diligence. I mean, it was a tough deal. Mm -hmm. We had at least three lender retrades. Three lender retrades. I mean, I had my my personal money hard, you know, a bunch of money. You know, I'm talking about, you know, 250, 300,000 in your first or second syndication hard money. And... uh, uh, you know, we, we just kept on working. I mean, finally, you know, we found, uh, you know, even after all that, we 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 were a little short. So we had to go to an equity partner, private equity firm. They they decided to give us some money. Uh, long story short, five months into the contract, you know, after three, ex- two extensions, three extensions, the last night, the night before we were bought out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was like, you know, you have worked so hard. You have, you have created this deal. Mm-hmm. And then you have put together everything on a on a silver platter, but we were bought out the night before the closing. Our equity partner said he didn't want to do the deal. Yes. And we had no extension left, nothing. And 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 he said, if you think it is appropriate, I will do the deal by myself. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, we had no option. We had to say, okay, you do the deal yourself. And and he was good uh, that he, he paid us, you know, our hard money. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't be sitting here. Okay. Uh, yeah wow wow i mean interesting so so the equity partner bought you out of the deal um but you got your hard money back you didn't lose money but you gained an education it it sounds like wow i mean that's yeah i gained so much education out of it you know i can Mm -hmm. i can do i mean i don't want to brag but i can do any deal uh i mean i can write write a book you know Mm -hmm. uh, easily you know and you know, with all the experiences that I had, you know, with so many lenders, you know, property managers, due diligence, you know, you, you name it, we had gigabytes worth of data yeah. that we had created during that time frame. Uh, but I mean, the fact that I was saying that I would not say no, because of mm-hmm. that, even though we came out of this deal and we made a little bit of money, mm-hmm. the, the guy was gentle enough that he paid us 1%. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we made some money. It's not, you know, I, I have to be honest on that so we made some money so right after that within 30 days we got another deal nice similar nice. size we didn't go we wouldn't make that much money in that but maybe maybe we'll make 25 percent out of you know com- as compared but we did the second deal and then mm-hmm. i had another deal after after like three months yeah so, so that kind of opened up the gates for us 
Uh, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I saw the same thing happen with us. I mean, our first deal was, was definitely our hardest. Uh, yours takes the cake. I mean, I, I, I can't quite compare with that one. The big hiccup we had was the spread on Fannie and Freddie loans at the time jumped. You know, they, they had come up to the end of their, their fiscal, they had a fiscal year cap and, you know, anybody who's familiar with the Fannie and Freddie, it, it's federally regulated. So you know, lenders can only lend so much under the Fannie and Freddie program. And both both programs were right at their cap. And so the lenders pushed back and said, okay, in order to slow things down, we're raising our interest rates. And so over a three-day period, we lost, you know, $600,000 in loan proceeds that we had to um, come up with, you know, and my goodness, it was, it was one of those things where, Compared compared to what you're talking about, you know, it, make, it makes that sound like it's child's play, you know. But uh, you know, we we had to raise, you know, within a couple of weeks, uh, a lot more money than we thought we did, and uh, ended up getting it across the finish line. But uh, wow, you know. But yeah, end of the day, you know, looks like you you made probably more more money in the education you received going through the process than than that one percent fee, uh, which. Yeah is end of the day just as important i think so yeah yeah basically you end up learning when you work on a deal i mean Mm -hmm. i know we have a bunch of you know people who try to teach things but the real real knowledge is gained by working on the deal and that's Mm -hmm. what my goal to get into this deal is i will do whatever needs to be done okay i did that you know like four three four five hours a day Mm -hmm. i was helping plus you know my net worth was good enough you know uh, you know, I was able to put in money. So GP, LP, KP, DP, whatever you can yeah. call it. I was doing all that. You know, I was vested in the deal, basically. Mm-hmm. I, we had to do it. It just did not work out in the end. The last night, night before, we could not raise another 3 million by the morning, you know. No, no. Yeah. So it was not going to happen. So yeah, we took we took our, uh, you know, we just pegged out. We said, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as I said, you know, we got paid a little bit. But that kind of opened up the doors for us. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, and, and what you've done since, I mean, twelve hundred and change units, you know, that you're you're a GP on, uh, that that's a significant amount for for anybody, you know. Um, we're 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 looking at that number as you know may, maybe one to two years from now, but uh, that that's a really good good track record that you have so far. Well, that said, what's what's next for you? This year, of course, 2020 was was bad for everybody, right? For mm-hmm. obvious reasons. But this year, we had some goals. We could not meet them. We had few properties which we were underwriting, which were in contracts, which most likely were not. One was not closed. One is still in negotiations. And there were some assisted livings that we are trying to buy. Uh, they are under negotiations also. So the goal is continue the journey, basically continue the same journey, you know, buy more assets, help more people on all fronts, you know, those who are our investors, as well as those who are residents in our assisted living, mm-hmm. uh, just continue to uh, open up our minds and and help, basically. I mean, money money will come yeah. in my mind, you know, as long as we our intentions are open and humble and, uh, you know, we are willing to help others. That's what we are doing every day without without any hesitation, so to say. Yeah. So I mean, we do meetups, we do you know webinars, things like that, education, you know, uh, portals. We don't, you know, no money is ever charged. So we are just continuing to do what we are doing mm-hmm. and hoping that you know our deal pipeline will start 
you know will come back again mm-hmm. right now we are in sort of in a waiting mode right for next couple of months because the way economy is you know right we are on the top basically we don't know where we are going yeah you know, properties are sold at four cap three and a half cap you know uh, i i don't think we are going to buy at that price range right unless we get a discount like 20 30% yeah and that's not going to happen um, because there are a lot of people out there looking for deals yeah um, there's no hurry but yes i mean that's our next i mean we don't know what is next right i mean you really mm-hmm. don't know but we are just continuing to put continuing to put our efforts in the right direction mm-hmm. uh, you know meeting people you know nice people like you you know like you and the, you know continue to educate educate the world and continue to to get educated you know while giving i i get back also you know when yep. i'm talking to you i'm forming up my ideas in my head what mm-hmm. i want to do next yeah you know what one of my favorite quotes you know and whether you call it karma or the golden rule but it's a zig ziglar quote you know you can have anything you want in this life by helping enough other people get what they want you know so it's one of those you know what goes around comes around philosophies you know if if you give freely to others you'll get what you need out of this life you know so um very much appreciate that you know and and for for you sharing your experiences with us today but uh you know that said let's let's shift gears a little bit we've got max harkavy patiently waiting on the line here and real quick he's an active duty air force officer currently stationed at Wright Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio he previously fl- flew B52s and is now an acquisitions officer working on the F15 defensive systems for the air force and he's tra- transitioning now into a multifamily investor so that said max welcome to the show Thanks for having me, Brian. I really appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to speaking with you, Prashant. Yeah, same, same here. First yeah. of all, both of you guys, you know, thanks for your service. You know, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Thanks for the support. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it means so, a lot. Yeah. So, Max, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so, like you mentioned, I'm currently uh, stationed at Wright Pat, which is up in Dayton, um, which happens to be about 40 minutes north of where I grew up in Cincinnati. My family has always been in real estate. My dad has had owned a property management company in the Cincinnati area for 30 plus years. Um, and my uncles are in real estate. My grandfather was in real estate. I joined the Air Force because I didn't want to do the follow my dad's footsteps like he did kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I'm going to have my own adventure, join the Air Force. Um, definitely don't regret my decision. But knowing what I know now, would I do it again? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and it's it's funny because it's circling back and now I'm ultimately following in my predecessor's footsteps and getting, yeah. trying to get into real estate. And uh, so it's funny to watch my, myself come full circle like that, but uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons why I'm, I want to get into multifamily. Um, most of which you guys have already talked about, but yeah, uh, yeah that's pretty much me in a nutshell, basically. I mean, it so, sounds like it's in your DNA, you know, two generations yeah. at least that have all been into to the real estate. And you said your dad was a, a property manager. Yeah, he owns a property management company uh-huh. in Cincinnati. It's called Balanced Property Solutions. They mostly uh-huh. manage large um, shopping centers, and and they they recently, in the last decade or so, got into managing larger multifamily assets. Uh-huh. Um, and my dad actually sold a large percentage of the company to his partner uh-huh. um, to step away because he wanted to start actually acquiring more real estate himself instead of just managing it. So I've actually try- been trying to work with him a little bit. Um, to get some deals done because he he's been in the game for so long and he knows so many people in the in the yeah. southern Cincinnati Indiana um, Kentucky area he he knows all the people so um, it's been a, it's been a struggle trying to get him to 
to work with me because we're kind of on two different planes. You know, he's older, he's made his money, he's not as mm-hmm. motivated. I'm a lot younger um, and I'm kind of pretty passionate about, yeah, you know, the finance behind this and how it all works. And uh, yeah, but it's it's a struggle, but it's a, it's a good struggle to have because we're working together and uh, mm-hmm. good things will come with it. Yeah, you know, I, I know a lot of newer investors would be very envious of that position that you're in because a lot of people know, and and Prashant mentioned it earlier, you know, you, you have to get loans, you have to have experience, you have to have net worth and balance sheet, you know, and your your dad's been in the industry for so long that he, he'll he be able to navigate that super easy. You know, whereas other people have to, when they're looking for partners and building teams, that's just one more person or or one more uh, hat to have to find somebody that, that can wear it. So right. good, good for you. I mean, being in that area, there's there's a lot of markets, you know, within a couple hours drive of where you're at right now that are actually Absolutely. doing fairly very well right now. Um, yep. You know, a lot of people who have come on the show and a lot of people that I network with have, have talked very highly about you know the Columbus market, Indianapolis, and then getting into Northern Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. I think Louisville is the city, Northern Kentucky, right on the border. Is that right? Yeah, uh, Louisville. Yeah, there's Covington, which is right across the border from Cincinnati, and then south of that is Louisville, and there's Lexington as well. Louisville and Lexington. Yeah, those, those are all, all cities that have, have pretty strong futures, you know, as far as, right. you know, what, what direction they're going. So, so good. Now, you said you went into Air Force to, to get your adventures. You know, I imagine flying B-52s is, is quite adventurous. Had a couple, yeah. Yeah. What was it in your mind? I mean, you, you told us that initially you didn't want to follow your father's footsteps. You didn't want to go in real estate. You got into Air Force. What triggered that, that change in direction? So that's a good, that's a great question. The, there's a lot of different reasons that made me kind of circle back. One of the main ones is, is that I know that this, the Air Force thing is not a permanent thing. I have to do something after the Air Force. Um, and like you guys were talking about earlier, being so reliant on that income. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's very secure in the government. You know, they can't fire you the next day and you'd be out of a paycheck. It takes, a t- if they were going to fire me, it would take a while. Yes. So, I mean, you have that security net, but you know, I've got three years left on my contract. Um, and one of my goals is to um, try and replace as much as uh, much as my uh, Air Force salary as I can with apartment, uh, you know, passive apart, apartment income, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the fear of not being able to support myself in three years is kind of making me, it's, it's letting a fire under me, if you will. Yeah. Um, so that's what and the other, the other big reason is if you just, if you have a basic understanding of finance, you'll, you know, that this asset class basically can't be beat. I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost as safe as gold and it pays you a return. I don't know the argument. I, I don't really know of an argument against multifamily that, that would hold up in my book. So, yeah, you know, and a lot, a lot of things there that, that are similar, you know, I, I looked at the kind of burning the boats philosophy, you know, myself, you know, I, about two years ago, kind of looked at, you know, I just, just, moving into a, a brand new area with a brand new job and, you know, very typical. I mean, I'm Marine Corps, your Air Force. Our tours are almost three years on the dot like clockwork, right. you know, and I think Air Force is similar. So I showed up here with 17 years under my belt and I, for the first time realized, oh my gosh, you know, at the end of this duty station, I could potentially get out, retire, have a pension, you know, and I, I made the same same thing as you. I, I started planning and thinking, okay, I've got three years to replace my active duty income. All right. And, and Max, I'll tell you right now, you know, you got three years. You can do it. It's achievable. All right. right. 
you know, this, this year I haven't quite replaced it, but we're well on track to, to have it fully replaced, you know, in 300 and I shoot, I forgot my count 233 days left. Can't believe I messed that number up. <laughs> Everyone has but, the count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But very, very achievable. All right. So let's, uh, we, we, you talked a little bit about your why, but let's, let's dive into that a little bit deeper. What is your big burning why or your motivation for doing this? So another, I guess it comes back again to the military thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a few years after joining um, and, you know, the novelty of flying, flying airplanes kind of wore off and it's like, this is, it's a lot of work. The pay isn't that great for what they're asking you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're always, you're always working for somebody and you're always answering to somebody and there's always someone, you know, every time you graduate from something in the military, I'm sure you've had a similar experience. You're, mm-hmm. You know, you're the you're the lowest guy in the rung. It doesn't matter if you're a, a lieutenant colonel or an 06 at the Pentagon. Yep. 06s at the Pentagon make coffee for generals. So I'm like, it it, it literally never ends. So I kind of decided that I the best way for me to work on my own hopes and dreams in my life and my own aspirations is to be my own boss mm-hmm. and make my own money um, and not have to answer to anyone. You know, save the wife. Um, yeah. <laughs> So that's the, that's the people my, that you choose like, to answer to the people exactly. you choose to, to be accountable to. Right, right, right exactly. Yeah. It's not someone who's arbitrarily placed over my head in a leadership role that I have to please all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's my, that's other than, you know, it kind of being in my blood to be a real estate and re, being a real estate, like we talked about, um, that is my biggest reason is, is so I can have my own aspirations and yeah. do things on my own time in my own life and dictated on my own terms. So, yeah. You know, and, and then if, if that's important to you, you know, living your life, dictating things on your own terms, you know, I, I think I realized not too long ago that the military is just not compatible with that. You know, it's just yep. a friend of mine and I were talking last week about, you know, being a, a commander, you know, which is, you know, Lieutenant Colonel, you've got about 15 to 18 years of commissioned service at the time when you get there. But when I was, younger in my career, you know, a, a lieutenant, maybe a junior captain, we used to look at that lieutenant, com- lieutenant colonel CO as almost a, a, a minor deity, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. uh, you know, now sitting where I'm at, I just realized, you know, they, they sit in a very small box with very little room to actually operate. But, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that over the years, you know, it's kind of, you get to peek behind the curtain and see, anyway, it's a very, very rigid system. And, yeah. Any, anybody, I think a lot of people clash with it who, who can't quite, you know, just buckle up and, and do what they're told. But anyway, right. we're, we're getting on a tangent, but uh, <laughs> it, I, I could do a whole podcast episode just oh. on that one subject, but uh, that, invite me to that one, please. I would love to be on that with you. <laughs> yeah. So, so that said, let's, let's, let's get back to real estate here. And okay. Max, we got Prashant on the line here. What do you want to ask him about real estate? So I had a list of questions here, uh, but one one popped into my head that I didn't have written down when you guys were talking earlier. And you mentioned deals selling for three or four caps these days. I've also noticed a similar phenomenon in my market that I'm, you know, the Cincinnati, greater Cincinnati area. Do either of you anticipate, you know, obviously there is going to be one, but I guess more like the question is, when do you anticipate the correction? And when that occurs, do you think that will be an opportunity similar to what I imagine 2008 was for people that are in our shoes right now? So basically it is, you know, patience is virtue, right? I mean, that is something that we have to realize. Um, You know, I know a lot of people who are sitting on the sideline with a lot of cash uh, and uh, 
you know, people will start making mistake, you know, the, you know, those who are waiting, you know, like me, you know, I'm waiting, people will start making mistake, they will start jumping into the real estate sooner than when it when it is going to start falling apart, right? I mean, it's going to, it's not going to fall apart, like what happened in 2008, 2009 timeframe. But, you know, chances are, you know, it's going to kind of plateau, maybe go a little bit down or, and the, you know, then come back or whatever. Uh, it's not going to be going up all the time, right? Just practically right. not possible, right? Nope. So, so, the, so, the, so the idea is, um, uh, do you want to jump on the wagon now or do you want to wait to jump onto that wagon? Uh, in my mind, unless you find a distressed asset yourself through your own effort, if you are going through a broker, broker wants to sell you any property at the stabilized value. And at stabilized value, and there are a lot of people who are giving away their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong, but my thinking is that unless you find a distressed assets where you where you can find it, you can get a discount of 10, 15%. Time right, it, right now is not the right time to buy. Mm-hmm. Right. How long is going to be? Nobody has the crystal ball. But as you know, I was I, I talked to a lot of people like everybody does. And somebody was telling me that, you know, multifamily foreclosures have already started coming and he buys foreclosures, you know, in Washington, D.C. area. He said he saw seven foreclosures in one week last week. Ooh. And he doesn't see that, you know, during the year. So, I mean, things are, things will change. Would they change drastically? Um, we don't know. We know that nobody is pressed to pay their rents. You know, like A-class tenants, even A-class tenants are not paying rents right now. There are many yeah. states, you know, their courts are not giving the dates. So there is there's a deeper analysis of why would it happen? Because people are not pressed to pay rent, irrespective of whether they have in their pocket or not. And they will not be pressed to pay rent for next six months. Right, because evictions who, are, yeah. Yeah, yeah who, who's at loss? You and I are at loss. The, the mm-hmm. one who is the owner, landlord, is at loss. Whether you're a syndicator or a passive owner, you are the one at loss. So some The day will come when this sink, sinking feeling in your heart, you know, these guys are not paying me the rent, will burst and, you know, it will go into foreclosure. That's mm-hmm. when you will have an opportunity to buy those assets. Yep. When will that happen? I don't think it will happen in three months. It's just too short of a time. It will take maybe six months, you know, or or nine months. You know, that, that's right. my my gut feeling, and that's what I'm sharing. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not. I yeah. don't have a crystal ball. You know. So, yeah, my my crystal ball broke. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, good good question. You know, about the low cap rates. You know, we we've had a historic period of very low interest rates, and interest right. rates and cap rates are tied together. You know, if you look at what's going on in Europe and in Eastern Asia, some of those countries have negative savings rates and negative interest rates for for savings programs. And theoretically, cap rates can continue to go down in the U.S. I mean, right now, our our savings rates are are low, but they're positive. All right. Zero is not I mean, we're, we're not looking at, you know, positive numbers only that number could get negative, just like it has in Europe and just like it has in countries like Japan, you know, so can the cap rates keep going down? The answer is yes, they can. All right. Will they keep going down? I mean, if if we're looking at our you know, international counterparts, as an example, 
I think they will still go down from here, you know, but like, like Prashant said, I don't have a crystal ball. And, you know, I also, you know, that that's, that's one hand of the equation. The other hand of the equation, exactly what Prashant was talking about. There are economic cycles, you know, even, even though our, our cap rates can still come down, there are economic cycles that are, that are affecting everything else that's going on. So, you know, what's, what's been consistent over time is that, you know, real estate does appreciate and it outpaces inflation, you know? So when, when you look at that and you add the leverage back in, um, you know, it's a, it's still a safe investment. There's, there's timing that, you know, makes things easier and better for you. But, you know, so if you, if you can buy at the right time and sell at the right time, great. But, you know, if you happen to buy at the top, you know, you just have to wait a little longer for that top to come back up again. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Kind of to follow on what, <clears throat> what you guys were talking about earlier, there was a Warren Buffett quote spoken at one point. Um, and I, what, what your answer to the question kind of brought that back up Prashant, for me, um, Timing the market is hard, and Warren Buffett, you know, said, to, I think it was Warren Buffett said to, to never try and time the market. And so, as a as a relatively inexperienced investor, I look, I get all these deals sent to my inbox, and I underwrite them. I go through the practice of, you know, is this a good deal? I do market research in the area, and sometimes they pencil out, and most of the time they're they're junk. Um, but you know, I'm really eager to buy one, so it's hard for me to. It's that that voice in my head saying, don't try and time the market. If the deal makes sense, buy it. Um, so it's kind of like this eternal struggle I have where it's, it objectively is probably a bad time to buy for all the reasons you both stated. Um, but I have a time limit, like we were talking about earlier as well. And I, you know, I just want to, it's hard to know if this is the right one or not. I've, I've, I've actually just closed on a, my first deal I did by myself is a four family. Um, actually only 20 minutes or so from my house without, you know, it's a residential property, residential loan. So it's not really going to count towards anything and practically um, on paper for acquiring my first multifamily, but it was a good deal penciled out. So I bought it. And um, I guess that leads to my next question um, in terms of deal flow, how do you get brokers to take you seriously before you've done your first multifamily deal? I seem to get only sent the things that have been passed over 150 times. Um, I don't get the the deal that could actually make sense. So how do you get the broker to take you seriously and send you something that you could actually buy? See, see one thing one thing is very important is when, in, when a broker sends you the deal, you just don't send the LOI to them. You get back to them within 24 to 48 hours. With, along with a request to have a conversation to, to kind of review your underwriting with them, right? So uh, you are talking, broker has sent you a deal, you have done your underwriting, now you are set, you are asking broker, and it's just an example, right? I mean, there are many other things that we do. Uh, you discuss your underwriting, you know, what is the basis of the price that broker is asking? You know, most of the deal don't ask for, now it's on the mark. So you kind of discuss your deal. So broker knows that you are, you are serious, you know, you, are, you have not just cut the LOI, you know, just send the, you know, LOI for the deal. That's one thing, you know, which has helped me a lot, you know, in my initial days, you know, I would respond back to the broker, call him right away and, and probably send him an email with my underwriting file. And listen, buddy, this is not working out. I mean, this is what I think should be the right price. So once he looks at once or twice with you in with that cycle, they start looking at you a little bit more mature person because you are spending they know see at the end of the day they want to sell a deal 
And if you right. are the first one responding to them with with all the hard work, it is hard work. But eventually, you know, they start looking at you that yes, you want to buy. The second thing is, you know, when you send a resume, you put an advisor name along with that in in, in it in your resume that you know you have this much experience. You don't have to put your own deal because you have not done one. So it's not it's not that you are faking or anything. It's just that you say, listen, uh, this is my organization, and in in my organization, this is the advisor. A lot of people do that. And this is the advisor's experience, and 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 we too are doing this deal, irrespective of what advisor is part of the project or not. But that always helps, you know. You have so these are you know kind of some tips to build your credibility. You know, you are building a team. You know, you are not going to buy it yourself. You cannot. I mean, I don't know about you, but I cannot buy a five million dollar deal myself. One uh, day. Yeah. One day, yes, of course, you know. Yes, and, yeah. and, and trust me, you can buy it after a couple of years. You know, five million is not that big of a deal in at mm-hmm. least in multifamily. The other thing I was gonna say that when I was listening to you being impatient, right? Yeah, <laughs> you make a mistake in single family, you can survive that. If you make a mistake in multifamily, you know, you buy two million dollar asset for four million, you are two million out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna. It's gonna take years before it comes to banks. Banks loan will always sit there on your head. Bank will acquire that, take that property and run with it. Yeah. So, you know, try not. See, I'm the first example. You know, I bought my residence, primary residence, in 2008 when it was on the top. Right. It has never come there, but it doesn't hurt me because <laughs> I live there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the house. It still cannot sell the house at, at the price I. But if I make a mistake in my multifamily, which I'm buying for myself, if I pay million dollar more on a on a, if I pay fifty percent more on a on that big kind of big kind of an asset, it's going to sit on 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 my balance sheet. I mean, banks right. are going to ask for that money. Yeah. So, waiting and trading your you know waters carefully is the game here. You know, and that's why I keep saying, do not buy anything on retail price. Buy it at a discounted price. Mm-hmm. So. The, so you want to buy i want to buy right away there are a lot of impatient people and somebody is going to make a mistake and they will suffer yeah. so advice yeah. your yeah tread your waters carefully you know that, that's my again take it as a grain of salt <laughs> but yeah. these are my my comments on on that point yeah so to, so to follow on to what prashant just said you know that there's a couple of of golden nuggets there you know get back to the brokers quickly you know, build your team. You have to have credibility before the brokers are going to keep sending your your you deals, and buy right. You know, incidentally, and and this is very coincidentally, um, about ten minutes ago, I just got a text from my partner. We just closed on a hundred and sixty seven unit apartment building, Congrats. and yeah, thanks. I mean, that's that's great news for us. It's uh, almost doubles our portfolio size, but uh, um, one hundred sixty seven units. But we bought at seven point one million on a property that was appraised at seven point four million three years ago. Wow. You know, so so being able to buy at a discount is is absolutely crucial. I mean, don't not buy, but you know, just do exactly what Prashant said. Make sure if you're buying right now, you're buying at a discount so that you have you have that buffer. So you're not sitting on a you know million dollar, you know, you're not, not a million dollars underwater, you know, in our case. Um, we're probably a million dollars in equity right now. Just, just walking into this. That's um, great. <laughs> all right. So anyway, Max, you got another question? Yeah. This can be directed to both of you as well. Did either of you have a, 
have a mentor figure that kind of coached you through the first deal? Um, and if so, how did you get that person to agree to be your mentor? Um, that I'm finding that difficult yeah. as well. Everyone's like, find a mentor, find a mentor. I'm like, yeah. how, how do you find one? <laughs> yeah. Prashant, I'll let you go first on that one. See, as, as you know, I was saying that I, you know, I did not have any like paid mentor, but I had, I had mentors, you know, in my, in my career. Uh, the way I started, I started doing this deal, you know, I said, listen, I, I just stumbled upon and I said, listen, I'm going to do it. And I helped that. And those guys were a little bit ahead of me. So they were sort of my mentor while doing so I was gaining knowledge from them. And, and my network kept on increasing. And one of the partner actually is one of the uh, coaches in, in, in a, in a, in a different organization. And, uh, you know, he's my partner. So, so to say, you know, I'm lucky that, you know, he's there. We, it's always, and in your case, Max, you know, your, your father, your, you know, your family, your generation, you know, you have mentors in your family itself. Mm -hmm. It's not that you have, I mean, you have to see through them. I know you, sometimes you said differently, but you have to see that the value that they bring to you is priceless. You know, so your impatience is, you know, your impatience and their kind of sitting back attitude, uh, they have to kind of find a balance and you have to get what you have, you can get out of it. Right. Finding a mentor, I mean, yes, you can join any any mentorship program, uh, Rod Cleave, Joe Fairless, whatever. Uh, but the most important, uh, most important thing, most important learning is when you are in a deal. When mm -hmm. you are in, if you are want to be a syndicator, when you are doing a syndication, at that time, what you learn, you will not learn anywhere else. You know, you can watch my videos. You know, I have a bunch of videos <laughs> for that matter. You know, there are, there are tons of things. You know, you can, you know, Brian's podcast, you know, you're learning, right? I mean, right. this is a learning process, basically. So this is sort of a mentoring, but you have to get, you have to do something to, to unless you apply it, uh, at least it doesn't stick to me. You know, it kind of mm -hmm. comes and goes. Uh, unless I apply that knowledge, it, it is useless. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, good luck to you. I mean, uh, anything you need, I mean, from that perspective, I, 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 you know, I would love to talk to you and share my uh, insights, you know, mm -hmm. anything that you need. And I would love to see if you find some, some deals in, I mean, I'm, I'm in the neck of the woods, by the way, you know, I have properties in Indianapolis. Oh yeah. I saw look, there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I look in Indianapolis every day. I talk to five brokers today. Also, mm -hmm. oh. Uh, so Ohio, I mean, I work in Columbus, even though I live in New York. Okay. Uh, I like that area very much. Would like to partner up, you know, whatever, share my group. You know, I have a group also. So you, you kind of develop your network, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that's my thought. Yeah. If you ever need someone to go and go check out a deal for you in Indianapolis, I'm only like an hour and a half away. So if you need someone to drive out there and look at something for you, you can always reach out. Awesome. Good. Awesome. See, yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah. you just answered your own question there. That's it. So how do you get mentors? I paid for a mentor because I was, I, I was under the impression that I'd have a hard time finding a mentor, but really the key there, there's, I think two keys in finding mentors. Number one is you got to network. All right. And number two, you've got to find a way to add value. You know, there, there has to be value on both sides of the equation, you know, and the more you network, the more you learn. I mean, the more you learn about the subjects and, and the more you're you're doing things, 
the more value you're going to be able to add to a potential mentor. So it, it's one of those where you've, you've got to be working on both sides of the spectrum, you know, networking, 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 finding people with experience, building my own experience so I can be a good partner or I can attract a mentor, you know? So, um, right. I mean, for, for most, the easiest way, I mean, depending on your financial situation, the easiest way is to pay for a mentor, you know, and there, there's lots of programs that'll do that, but, uh, that the harder and maybe the more valuable way is, you know, to keep on networking until you can, you know, you keep on networking, keep on learning until something just happens. So, all right. That said, we're, we're out of time right now. Uh, as much as I would love to continue the conversation, we're, we're going to break it off here. But uh, one question for both of you to finish up uh, and Prashant, you go first. How can our listeners learn more about you? See, uh, you know, you see my my name behind me, you know, my company is MyRealtyGains. So I have an email address, Prashant at MyRealtyGains.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a simple, simple website. You know, there I have uh, a seven-day email course for all the passive investors. There are a lot of people who do not know what a passive investment in real estate can do for you. To really know uh, the benefits of, Passive investing in real estate, specifically in multifamily, specifically in the assets where we do cost segregation, you know, cash flow, depreciation, uh, you know, uh, uh, appreciation, you name it. I mean, th- these are the fundamental benefits and a, lo- a lot of people do not know about it, right? I mean, people think that they are giving money to syndicator. They are not giving money to syndicator. They are owning the real estate. They are part owner of a real estate. Yep. So all those benefits, you know, satisfaction of owning the real estate, you have kind of put together everything into one seven-day email course. It's just two minutes of video per email, you know, which kind of uh, walks you through those benefits. Uh, feel free to subscribe to that. Feel free to schedule a time with me on my calendar. You know, my cell phone, you know, 631-428-6479. Uh, I'm always there, you know. I always pick up or text me, I, you know. Then find out ways to facebook linkedin whatnot all right so that information is going to end up in the show notes we got myrealtygains.com you got the email address and he gave his phone number out as well so you know feel free to contact him and definitely you know sign up for that seven-day email course that's it max same question for you how can people learn more about you right um so i guess the best way to learn more about me and my background would be through my linkedin profile um Mm -hmm. until i (laughs) have reason to build a website. That's just going to be where that, that stuff lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so LinkedIn, uh, it's just Max Harkavy at LinkedIn. And then my email address is harkavym at gmail.com. And then you can also just feel free to call or text me, uh, 513-462-8109. Um, I'm always happy to learn more and help out other investors as I, where I can and everything. So. All right. And once again, all that information is going to be in the show notes, you know, reach out to him. If you're a mentor that needs somebody in the, you know, Columbus, Ohio area, you know, he, he's your guy. So thanks so much guys for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time today. And you know, I learned a lot. This was great. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.